Welcome back to the Morning Skate. We have a special guest today. He is from Dorval, Quebec. He was drafted in 2008 by the San Jose Sharks and has also played for the Stars, Panthers, and Coyotes organizations. He has also represented Canada in the 2022 Olympics and most recently played for the Akbars of the KHL. Welcome to the Morning Skate, Jason Demers. How are you doing today? What's up, boys? How are you? Great. Oh, dude, we're you. doing good, man. I, like I sound that. like I'm a robot on delay over here. I, I'm just I'm beside myself. I mean, we have like a vested interest talking to the Mers right now. Oh, do we? <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I like the intro too. I appreciate the intro. I was like, geez, I have been around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Old. Uh, that's good. That's great, though. That's good. It's uh, you've had a great career so far. Hopefully, we get to see you back in the NHL soon. Um, so first we get, I want to get started, uh, like what age did you get into hockey and who are some of the people you looked up to or like tried to emulate your game after? Uh, I actually got my start. I think I was three. My parents put me into skates and stuff and I cried every day for like two or three years, hated it, getting up early. And then just slowly more and more played and just fell in love with it. And I mean, growing up, uh, I always liked Nick Lindstrom like that's such an easy one he was just so dominant and then Sergey Goncho was another one that I always enjoyed watching so just steady guys that made good plays and uh had a little offense and could play D as well so and uh I mean Lindstrom is just he's a legend so I think every kid my age that was the D you were kind of emulating after and were you just uh were you uh, did you play any other sports or was it just strictly hockey Growing up, uh, no, I kind of my parents put me in everything. So I played soccer, I played baseball, I did swimming and water polo, which is a weird one. And then uh, <laughs> I kind of like strong though. Yeah, I mean, I can I can tread water for for a while, so it's good. Um, no, and then I just kind of the older I got, I was like, you know, twelve, thirteen, and and they made me decide kind of you have to pick one and play year round, and I took hockey and. Started played summer league and then uh, played travel team and then just slowly just that uh, took over my life. So, uh, did I'll you see. have any other athletes like outside of the sport of hockey? You were saying that you played quite a few other things here and there. Was there any other athletes growing up before you really kind of got diversified in, inside the sport that you kind of looked up to outside of hockey? Uh, I mean, it's funny. Like I played, uh, you know, in Montreal, the Expos were. I, I was lucky. Enough oh yeah. I, I was lucky enough to go see him and, and I don't know how my dad somehow uh, got us down into the locker room, but we got to go meet like Larry Walker and <clears throat> Pedro Martinez and, and Larry Walker. Sorry, I'm just adjusting. Um, my head's huge in the camera. So, I'm just like, <laughs> um, so Larry Walker was another one too, that, you know, always stuck with me and, 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 you know, it was also, also cool going to see Pedro Martinez down when he's playing for the Expos and, and just such cool things. So, we were kind of torn when I was there. It was like, you know, it was starting a trend. Like the tickets were like five bucks and, and it was going the wrong way. And, um, but it was so nice to go watch those games there and, and be able to see that kind of, see that kind of MLB in, in Montreal, which, you know, you don't really see it anymore. So. Yeah. Bring back the Montreal Expos. One of the best uniforms in all sports, bar none. Bar and none. Too, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're awesome. I wish they would. But, I mean, it, it wouldn't be a crazy other possibility with how bad the Tampa Bay uh, franchise is with fan base. So you I never mean, know. Can't count it out these days. Yeah, the Marlins too don't get any fans or anything. <laughs> oh, 
Oakland doesn't get anything. So no, they they deserve that after they changed those stellar uniforms with that teal F hat, and then they went to like the rainbow neon. Uh, no, that's their <laughs> own doing. <laughs> um. So you got the great uh, opportunity to represent Canada in the Olympics. What did that mean experience mean to you? And was that something? What was something that like surprised you while you were over there? Uh, yeah, it was bittersweet because we, uh, I thought we could have done way better than we did. And, and, you know, anytime you're in those elimination, one game takes it, it's, you never know what's going to happen. And I definitely thought we could have done a lot better. So it, it was great experience to be there, but you want to win. And, uh, you know, we're all competitors. So if guys say they didn't want to win, I mean, they were lying because your goal there is to go win gold. So it was, uh, it was a little, it, it sucked a bit on that end, but I mean, the guys were great. The, the hockey Canada was really good to us. So it was, uh, it was a good time. And it was a little weird cause we were in Beijing and they were pretty COVID crazy still there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it was a lot of kind of restrictions and stuff, but you know, the guys got to hang out and, and spend some time together and you get to meet other athletes and go see other sports. So I found that pretty cool to be able to go watch curling and, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we saw, we went and saw figure skating, speed skating, and it was just, it was great. Like the speed skating is wild to see live. Yeah. Those, those athletes are absolutely insane. And those skates are not, there's no breaks. There's no bite on those speed skates. No, we were like, we watched the short track, which is like, has all the accidents and stuff. And mm-hmm. there's some guy from Turkey um, who literally made it to the finals. Cause he just sat behind and, <laughs> went, and went last and everybody would fall in the qualifying. And then he kept like coming through and celebrating and it like became a joke but it was hilarious because he made it to the finals and then lost right. like three laps but like it was just so funny to watch this guy just beat the system us brains before beauty for sure exactly how, how was the food over there because i know like you mentioned it was covid so like the, the restrictions are probably a little high but uh did they like you always see those horror stories of like you had to sleep on a car- cardboard box with oh, like yeah. a memory foam mattress on it the, the beds were honestly the best thing there. It was insane. It was like these zero gravity beds that like adjustable and it was like you're just being cradled like a baby. <laughs> and the food, I mean, you're cooking for like so many athletes. Like how good can it be when it's buffet style? Like it's, it's, oh, yeah. you can only control that so much and you're making so many. I mean, it's all these athletes shit. We just eat like nonstop. So it's like, you know, and not just us, but every other sport that's there. So, and every other country. So it's just so many guys. And I mean, that was, it was okay. And then they had a pizza hut and KFC in there and, and Oh man, that was, uh, that was probably the weirdest chicken sandwich. I've ever had. <laughs> I had one. Not the greatest cuisine. Well, I was like, you know what? I was like, we've been eating this, you know, the food and I'm like my stomach, it's just a lot of, it, you know, it's different water there. It's different. So you're kind of right. Bad elements and then i was like you know what i'm just gonna okay i'm seeing i took one bite of the chicken sandwich and i was like dark it was black or something inside and i was like oh god oh dude oh boy and i'm just like right in the trash i was like it's, <laughs> it was like you know there's again like i've heard like olympics before it wasn't great either like it, it's so hard to cook for that many guys and, and uh, guys and girls and and just athletes in general, like we just eat so much and it's all the training staff too. And it's like, it's just, you can't keep up with the demand. I don't think so. That's what you're going to get. 
Very so sp- speaking of like the Olympic Village was uh, you said you got to see a couple things and obviously with the COVID restrictions, it probably made it hard. But was there a moment, obviously being, uh, you know, an NHL player, you, you probably get this a lot. But was there a moment where you were kind of taken aback and stunned that you were standing in front of someone like rather famous? Like I know Sean White, wasn't it his last Olympics? Uh, was there anyone where you kind of sat back and went, oh, man, this is this is bonkers. I mean, uh the opening ceremony was pretty wild like that that i can't sit here and say that was amazing like just to walk in and and Mm -hmm. that stadium and and the show they put on and we got to see um the two canadian representatives you know kind of when you walk up you're walking all in groups and each country's getting named and then when you before you go out they get to take the ceremonial flag so Mm -hmm. the flag bearers get to pick it up so it's a pretty cool thing to see like them taking out that flag because that flag doesn't move when it goes back in until the end of the olympics so it's like a pretty special thing to be nominated for that and then to see that like i got lucky enough to be up close so i get to see uh mary pierre Poulain pick it up and it was just so so cool to see that like that was kind of like just whole wow like you know, you crazy. We're here. We're here. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, I, I know Sean White a little bit, so I got to see him and, 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 you know, I, I met him a couple of times and, and he's such a nice guy and I kind of see him more as like just a normal guy and, and yeah, amazing to see how popular he is. And like, if there's one guy like at an Olympic event, like every country's like that Sean White, like, it's just crazy. So he's like his celebrity is huge and it's such a nice humble guy so it's like it's cool to see athletes that big like that transcend the sport that are that down to earth so yeah shout out to gingers everywhere they're the best <laughs> eh? Man, so ginger. uh back to your like your playing career who who was one of your favorite teammates that you played with and maybe uh who had the most obscure or like cool nickname that you remembered playing with I mean, it's so easy to say Joe Thornton and like everybody yeah. kind of every time I get asked that, it's like that's the that's the guy that everybody's expecting me to say. And but I mean, I've had so many like I got to play with Claude Lemieux. Um, I got to play with Rob Blake. Uh, that was so cool. That was my first captain was Rob Blake and, and such a nice guy. And a lot of guys called him the godfather. Just, just <laughs> he would just go on the ice for practice with a wad of gum in his mouth and just be such a solid, you know, hall of famer. And he would just roll around on the ice with, you know, three sticks of gum in his mouth, just chewing gum and having a good time and just, just the godfather. So, um, and then, uh, um, on Dallas, you know, I got to play with, with Spezza was, it was amazing to, to kind of hang with him and, and see, uh, be a part of that guy. You know, it's another, I, you know, I consider him a Hall of Famer, the career he's had. And, and for sure, and then Florida, I got to play with the Ogs, like, like Yermer Yager to play with that old bastard. And, and <laughs> I mean, he was old when I played with him six years ago and he's still playing. So it's like, it's insane. I'm like, I'm almost like, I can't stop until he stops because <laughs> I will just feel so bad about myself. <laughs> he's got the Jackie Moon status going on. He's like player oh, owner coach over there. Yeah. Know, and he's like, it's his. His like um, the, the little ticks and stuff he has, like when he gets ready, is like the wildest thing you've ever seen. It's amazing to see that, and like he's just like 
it's just he's such a different cat and but such a nice guy like always smiling and, and loves the game and um but you know i came to training camp in florida and he's was wearing two pound weights on his skates because he wanted when he took them off he wanted to feel like he had light feet and then we get to the season and he got so used to it he started the nhl season with five extra pounds of weight on his skates and played it different games and i was like i can't even believe this like that's like next level superstitious because he started feeling so good and i'm like it's it's so wild to, to to play with a guy like that and then you know i got here to um arizona and i had phil castle so i mean i've had some some great um like just characters that i've played with that have just kind of are so much bigger than the sport so it's it, it, i've been lucky and fortunate enough to see some so some wild guys and uh you know phil the thrills to get a great nickname and and oh yeah yeah and then the I mean, hot the dog weird, king himself yeah the weirdest nickname i've ever seen was joe thornton gave kent huskins he started calling him husqvarna like the tractors <laughs> and then it went from husqvarna to varna and then it ended up just being Vern. And he calls him Vern still to this day. It's like That's awesome. It's just like, and he kind of makes all the nicknames. So like guys will have the weirdest names you've ever seen in your life, but it's just so funny because it's like Vern. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. And just everybody calls him that. So it's good. So I have to ask, obviously, Phil Kessel might have one of the most unique personalities in all of hockey throughout its entirety, honestly. What was that interaction like? I mean, obviously, you guys have probably crossed paths before being teammates, but what was that? What was one of the probably the, the, the biggest things that stuck out to you as a teammate for the first time with him uh, in Arizona? Uh, because obviously, the stories are just so outlandish, like some of them have to be true. I mean, he's like the most superstitious guy I've, I've, I've played with, but like on the flip side, like it's hard to meet a guy that cares about hockey that much. And like with all of his little things he does, like he's another one has a lot of he'll tweak things. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, the best Phil Kessel story I had is at the Gila uh, River Arena mm-hmm. like two years ago. He played on the half on the power play and the puck would get rimmed around to him. And there's something wrong with the boards and the puck would spin the wrong way. And he didn't like how it felt. So he got the the Zamboni staff to shave down the boards in the corner at the Gila river arena. Cause it wasn't spinning the right way. So and it was so good. he'd sit there and then he'd rim pucks the guys and be like, you see, you can't catch it. Like it's impossible. And you know, he's a buddy, like buddy, you can't like, so it's just, but I love him a lot. And, and he's a great, um, he's a great guy and, and um, such a good teammate. And, and, you know, just, you know, he's won and, and wants to win. And, and, you know, you can say what you want about him, but, you know, he knows what it takes to win. So it's just such it's it's just such a funny guy. But, yeah, most of the stories are – a lot of them are completely not even close to true. Yeah. But, like, it's just – it's so funny. It's like the mystique. Like, you just – you won't ever deny anything. So it's just funny that it he just builds this kind of mystique because he lives a pretty quiet life. He doesn't – like people know in his business, which, you know, that's where all the stories come out. So, but just phenomenal guy. Awesome. Yeah. I can't, uh, can't, I can imagine he's got some, some good ones in his pocket too. Uh, but kind of shifting back to, to you, 
I, I noticed you're pretty active on Twitter. Uh, you focus a lot on on the uh, the UFC and obviously with the recent NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, so this is kind of a two part question. Um, with this past season, who was the most slept on in the NHL, in your opinion? I mean, the ones that the analysts that always just kind of seem to skim over. Like player or team? Uh, player. Uh, you know, I, I missed out a lot on the season because when I went to Russia in the Olympics, like the time zone change, you, you, Wonky, can catch, yeah. you can maybe catch highlights and stuff like that. But I mean, I watched a lot of the playoffs and I mean, it, it's, it's kind of hard because there's always, there's so many guys that are always left out. And, you know, if you, if anybody kind of watches any kind of the most of the media that dominates NHL is Eastern media. Mm -hmm. The East will always get more acclaim than the West, you know, even though, you know, we got, we got McDavid and, and McKinnon and stuff like that. The East will always kind of get a little bit more juice than the West does. Um, that's kind of always been the case. Um, you know, I remember I played like my first six, seven years in the league and people didn't even, I, I'd go home to Montreal and, and do a, a skate with a bunch of other NHL guys and nobody even knew who I was. And not to say that it's just you don't get any exposure there just because you're the time zone change. And, and not to say that I should be getting noticed everywhere I walk, but I figured <laughs> in my hometown at least that, you know, people would kind of know that I played hockey. So, and, uh, but yeah, that's just kind of the always, always the way it's been. I mean, I always say that I've always said that Patrice, you know, Patrice Bergeron gets a lot of love, but I mean, that guy can get so much. I think he's such a great player and, and, and leader and, and, um, I mean, other than that, I, I mean, I feel like I haven't followed as much as I should have in the playoffs. I was, I mean, Roman Josie, he, he is the, I think he's as good as, you know, he's probably him and Makar one, two, I think. And then you got Hedman as three, but those three, mm -hmm. I mean, you can't talk about them enough. Like they're just, I mean, they're, they're that dominant and it's hard to find guys that dominant. So. And I think even Kale McCarr, you know, I think people found out in the playoffs, but during the season, everybody knew he was great. But I think to see him in the playoffs was pretty wild. And like every player on that team is like, he's the best player in the NHL. So it's yeah, like, I mean, that's true. It's it, it's it was it was a little bit of a coming out party for sure. Yeah, like uh, he always everybody knew he was good, and like everybody knew he's the top three in the league. But like to see that that measuring stick of like how far apart he is than most guys. And I'd even go as far to say like his partner did not get enough credit, but Devin Taves, Devon oh, Taves yeah. is a stud. And like he, uh, he is, he is very good. And, and I mean, they're probably the best, obviously the best duo that they, they crushed everybody in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. so, but I would say conversely to McCarr, like his partner is, is, a huge reason why he's that dominant. So yeah, absolutely. So so shifting on the UFC focus now. Yeah. What current what current UFC fighter could you see transitioning to the NHL and being a dominant hockey player? Well, it'd probably have to be somebody that's a. I mean, now the one guy I would say is Volkanovski. I just feel like that guy is such an athlete. He was a rugby player before, mm -hmm. and he's so dominant right now. Um, and he's got a hockey name already. Yeah, Volkanovski. Yeah, he just sounds like you just go out there and, and just absolutely hammer guys, and he's you know five foot five or something. He's not. So even he's got a little Brad Marchand in him. 
a little oh, bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he's so he's so confident. It's one of those guys. I'd probably put him or I'm a big fan of uh, Israel Adansaya, so I'm sure he would just be a toe dragon, sauce passing son of a bitch, so. psychopath. Yeah. You don't think Patty and the Batty's uh, talents are going to translate to the NHL? <laughs> I mean, I think he'd be. I think he'd make like the best mascot, but I think he's so perfect for UFC and and. He's amazing. I, I I love him too. I love his rise and and I just watched him last weekend. So. Yeah, this week, this oh, past yeah. weekend, that was. Fire, I, I got goosebumps watching that with the oh, Patty the Patty. That was electric. <laughs> electric. Him and him and Meatball Molly. I know they're amazing. Like they, it's nice when you see those people that kind of capture everyone. But I mean, it's been good. The UFC's like, I watch like the. I'm such a fan. I watch the the free ones like every weekend is like my Sunday football. Mm-hmm. And I'll like I'll watch the early prelims and and like I've had tickets to go to UFC with people and they're like oh what time you're going at the main card starts at seven I'm like I'll be there too I'm that guy <laughs> like, woo! like just because it's fun to follow all these guys and and it's such a tough sport and, and so I mean it's 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 taken the world by storm shout out to Dana White unfortunately banned from every casino in uh, Vegas but shout out to him nonetheless oh, um. Some would say he made the biggest gamble of all, right? And yeah. Won. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the only sacrifice was his hairline, but we don't have to get into that. That was a dig. Yeah. I mean, that was that's a dig. A uh, you, can buy, you can always buy a new one. Look what LeBron did. That's true. <laughs> that's the biggest comeback in sports. <laughs> yeah, you're not ugly. You're just poor. That's the thing to say. <laughs> uh, so, sorry. I, I might get in trouble for that one. No, that was a good one. I need to, I, That sounds like a clothing company. Uh, no, I just ugly, see those, just poor. I, yeah, I see those movies out, uh, those memes out there, and it's like the Kardashian one. It's like you're not ugly, you're just poor. And it's M three and posts. Just oh my god, I'm like, jeez. I mean, <laughs> the morning skate, the morning skate was built on hockey memes, so there's no no shortage Perfect. of that here. Great. Uh, can, so yeah. focusing though on on your uh, runs in the Stanley Cup, because obviously we were talking about you. You watched a little bit of the Stanley Cup as opposed to the regular season yeah. uh, with the San Jose Sharks, the Dallas Stars. Can you share just how different that mentality is the moment that the regular season ends and you shift into postseason mode? I know, uh, like, I know you really at the end of the day are like, this is just another hockey game. But once you get on the ice, what's the difference in, in style of play? Because I mean, it just seems like it, it ramps up to eleven in, in no time. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's. Cr- it's insane. I mean, you can't say it enough. Like it's two different seasons. Um, you know, guys are trying to stay as healthy as possible for it's such a long season, 82 games and guys are trying near the end. If you're in the playoffs, you're, you know, you're pushing, but you're also like, you want to stay healthy. You want to go on a playoff run. And I mean, everybody's blocking shots, everybody's finishing hits. So the time and space you get gets cut in half and it's just, you know, it makes it that much more exciting. It's already a fast game, but, you know, when everybody's – no one's cheating. That That's basically where it comes in in the playoffs. Like, everybody stops cheating and everybody's playing for the team and, and it's – throw everything out the window. Like, I mean, there's guys – guys make careers on being playoff players, so. Yeah, I mean, look at Nachushkin. He just cashed. I mean, obviously – He's – Dallas star. We kind of had some experience with him here. Wasn't the, wasn't the most beautiful of marriages, but uh, 
I mean, he went and proved himself and what played with the entire second half or last uh, couple games with a broken foot and had to get it medically removed at the end. Yeah. That's psychopath. His, uh, I mean, I had him in Dallas and, and to see the turnaround he had is phenomenal because, like, he struggled a little bit in Dallas. It could have mm-hmm. been the coach or, or players or just didn't fit the right way. And, and um, he, he left for Russia right after Dallas and then yep. came back and he's been on a tear. So, I mean, all the power to him. You know, I love seeing any guy getting a big contract. It's it's nice to see. Yeah, and uh, obviously you spent time uh, with the Coyotes organization as well. Uh, what was your experience kind of like with them, and, and how do you feel about the approach that they're taking? Obviously, they're taking some unique steps, but it sounds like within the next couple of seasons, they're going to be in a really, really unique environment playing-wise as far as like the new, new arena that's going to be coming in a couple years from here, from now. We hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean – you know, I had great team. I had like such a good group of guys with the the, the guys here, and and you know, it's it is what it is with the organization, and and not as much money as the other ones in the league. So mm-hmm. you don't you can't get treated as well, and and you know, you just try to find ways. But I mean, the staff was always amazing with us, and they always took as good care of us as they could. I mean, I think it's going to be this year for them. I think it'll be something no NHL fan will ever see again is in the university rink. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you can shit talk it all you want and it's only 5,000 fans or whatever, but I mean, you won't see another regular season game in a college rink where you're, the fans are on top. So it'll be pretty interesting. Like if you think it's fast, like in a normal NHL rink, like seeing the game that close, I think will be amazing for the players and the fans. So in that respect, I'm like, like, that'll be great. And, you know, they just better sell out every night because if they don't, that won't look good at all. But um, I think it's uh, I think it'll be something interesting. And listen, it's, they're making do with what they can. And hopefully they get the rink in Tempe because, I mean, um, you know, I've li- I live here now in Arizona and, and stay here. And it's such a great city. And uh, the people are phenomenal and, and they want to support the team and they just needed to, the rink to be in the right spot. I think Glendale is just too far away and. It's for eight for battling on the if you you know you in Arizona you know that just battling on the one hundred one at five p.m. on a Tuesday or Thursday is just nightmarish. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that, that is and that is the truth because like I'm yeah. obvious I'm I live I actually live like a block away from ASU's arena so it'll be great yeah. for me. Perfect. But I would get off work and you just can't get to the game at Puck Drop. You're getting there like five minutes in, and I'd leave my house in Tempe like. 20, 35 minutes before the yeah, game starts. Exactly. And you're still driving 30 minutes anyway, like no mm-hmm. traffic. So it's, you know, we had to do that. I mean, that was tough. The two years, um, the coach wanted us to come to the Gila every day for practice mm-hmm. instead of doing the ice den like we typically did. And, and we were driving to the Gila every single day, 40 minutes there and back. And then on game days, we we're going for morning skate, coming home for a nap, going back. You just think as an athlete, you're driving two hours a day. And, then, and that's not counting an accident, which happens every five minutes on that highway. <laughs> exactly. People forget how to drive. So it's like, it's just crazy. Like, and that year, I think we were doing that. We were first in the Pacific there for a while. And then we just you know, fell off the cliff. But um, that was the year we, we beat Nashville in the first round and, and played Colorado. But we were first in the Pacific for a while to start. And then, I mean, that just wears on you driving doing that drive over and over again you know it's oh yeah 
it's just getting right out of the, your car and then trying to play a game is, is uh, not ideal. That's but, sure. uh, yeah. And then like what you mentioned too, with them playing at ASU and people complaining about all oh, the prices are too high. You're, you're going to be seeing NHL players from a baseball throw away, basically, mm-hmm. or even closer yeah. than that. And like, when you, what, like you say, when are you going to ever get that experience again? It's so unique and, and it'll be unique to this team. And I'm sure like if they get it all figured out and it's, it's running smooth, I mean, I think, I mean, they're not there. They're what they're only playing four games in the first two months there or something crazy, Mm -hmm. which is wild. But I think when, I think when all the snowbirds come in, I mean, just imagine you're a Canadians fan or you're Calgary fan and and Chicago when we play them here and it's always packed. Just imagine Chicago fans, they have to pay those ticket prices in United center. And now they're going to be right on top of their favorite players. So, I mean, I think think it's going to make for some great, um, just some great games. And I think the atmosphere will be really good. So, and it's like you said, it's a wintertime destination uh, and the thick, uh, thick of the hockey season. What better way to go watch some hockey, get away from brutal cold, just relax for a little bit. But uh, speaking of brutal cold, uh, you just got back from a season in Russia Playing with Akbars of the KHL, I did. Uh, how was that acclimating culture-wise? Because obviously, a wildly different culture uh, in and outside of the locker room too. I know you had a couple of North Americans with you on the team, but what was your experience playing in one of the most unique leagues on the planet? Uh, I had a great time. I mean, I wasn't there long, but they take they took such good care of us, and like. Um, you know, no offense to any team I played for in the NHL, but the rink in Kazan was probably one of the nicest facilities I've ever seen in my life. Um, so it's, it's, it was wild. Like, and they took good care of us. Um, so, you know, I don't really have any bad things. Like I came back and I wish, you know, everyone's like, ah, oh, you gotta have some good KHL stories. And I'm like, man, it was like top tier the whole way through. So I think if I was on a, a lower end team, it might have been worse. But I mean, it was they took just great care of us, and and the hockey's the hockey's good. It's it's way more defensive than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a lot of live and die on the power play, and then it's a lot of trapping. So, you know, Jacques Lemaire would probably crush it out there <laughs> doing the old trap and the left wing lock. So, um, it, it it was interesting though, and and you know, to go to the culture wise. The people were super nice to us. They're phenomenal. Um, they took good care of us, the guys in the team. They took us out, showed us around, showed us good restaurants. So it was, it was overall, it was like, it's just cold as, it's cold as the Dickens there. And <laughs> when I was there, it was absolutely frigid some places we went. Um, but yeah, I got to like, and fun, like funny story, when I signed the contract, you know, I was probably playing for about a month there. So it was like 10, 12 games in the month. And I was looking at the, the sheet and i was like oh awesome like we're home the whole month and then i was like i forgot that in europe it's flipped the teams oh, so i get no. there and we're on the road for the whole month so i was like oh geez <laughs> so i get to see like i get to go all the way to vladivostok which is uh right like an hour from the north korean border and then i got to play all the way in moscow so it's like i got to see the whole country pretty much which That's was, amazing. Did you have a chance to really try any of the uh, the local cuisine? And was oh, there anything? Yeah. Was there anything? Obviously, like on the flip side of, was there anything that you were like, I didn't expect this to be this amazing? Uh, but was there anything you were like, I uh, uh-uh, no, we're one by. Everyone knows the rules. We're out. 
Yeah, I not, I did not expect the food to be that great. Like I didn't have a bad meal in three months there. But yeah, there's some things that's questionable where I'm like, you know, we we had a team dinner and and um, you know they're eating like fried chicken neck or whatever, and I was like, you know, I'm probably gonna pass. And then one of the guys came in late and he literally had a full fish in his hand in plastic, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like must you know got it a delivery. He walks to the back and then like two minutes later, this fish literally comes out fully. They just cut it into squares and put some salt on it and they just put it on the table. And all the guys are like, you have to eat this. Like, it's great. And I'm like, oh. I'm Russian like, sushi. I'm yeah. like, I can do, like there's sushi. And then there's like, you know, there's Russian sushi, sushi. Yeah. like fucking sushi. And I was like, like, this is not even cold. Like this is like lukewarm fish. And I'm like, so I was like, ah, I'm like, I'm going to pass. But, you know, I tried a lot of the, I tried a lot of the fish and, and the little like minnows that are, you eat them whole with everything. And, and yeah. So I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta do this. I don't know how many times I'll be back here. And, um, you know, the, but the food was like, overall was phenomenal. Like everywhere we ate was super, super good and, and, um, good sushi. Yeah. Really good sushi. <laughs> Try the sushi in Russia. Let write that down. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask what your biggest surprise was overseas, but it sounds like kind of the cuisine and, and enjoying pretty much everything. So really, like before Disco takes it over and finishes it up, what what's next for Jason Demers? Like, are we are we hoping to see you back in the NHL, or is there anything that you're looking to do next? Uh, I know you have some interest in NFTs. Is there anything that we need to kind of be on the lookout for for you? Uh, I'm. I like I got back in April and I've just been training. Um, you know, I'm have only so many years left to play and, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna try to everything to get back into the NHL this year and, and you know, just looking for a chance. And um, you know, I I, I would have made it team in the NHL last year. I just had a I had a surgery that I had to take care of and now I'm hundred percent healthy and, and you know, I kinda took going over to K I went over to the K in January. And it's kind of like a training camp to see how my body held up. And, and I've just been literally head down training and just waiting for an opportunity. So, you know, I'm hoping I'll get one. And, uh, you know, because if I get brought in on a PTO, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I can find my way on a, on a roster. So it's just going to be about getting that chance and, and um, trust in my age. And so, I mean, um, uh, that's pretty much my plan in the future. I haven't really thought further past that. You know, I'd like to get another year in the NHL, maybe more, but just my sole focus is making it back in and, and you know, just the way my last year ended and, and with the organization and the coaching staff, it uh, it's it's it just felt like there was no closure. So for me, I want to like have no regrets and, and take one more run at it and see what happens. And if, you know, I, I don't make it, I know that I tried. So that's that's about it. And but that's uh, giving it the old putting all the cards in my side, giving it the old college try and, and oh, yeah. Um, yeah, just need a chance to, you know, I'm sure a team needs a righty, an old vet righty that'll take care of the young kids and play Good two locker room guy. Yeah. Glue oh, guy. Glue guy, man. Not enough of them. Well, we're definitely rooting for you. That's for sure. Appreciate um, it. Uh, so just a little fun question. We usually ask our guests. So if you could create a music festival of your own, what, three artists or bands would you have headline that three-day festival oh i'm i am like my playlist like nobody will there's a very small like my spotify 
people I follow are like sometimes sub a hundred thousand people. So it's like, I'm really off the book. I would probably put, I love St. Paul and the broken bones. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm a huge fan of them and, and a trainer, one of the JP mayor, one of the awesome trainers and, and staff at the coyotes. We used to work out and he would put on just, he'd be like, Hey, listen to this. And, I always put on this great music and, and, and this was one of them with St. Paul and the broken bones would be one. Um, I, I'm a fan of all of the stuff that Drake does. That's my, that's my only like mainstream person that I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, like everybody hated his new album and I loved it. I'm just, <laughs> I listen to it every day when I work out, it's just like perfect vibes. The beat. Um, it just took to some growing, some growing on it. Yeah, I know just, I, the second totally, week I listened to it was, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. I get it. You're just bobbing your housey. Yeah. yeah, it's a little housey. It's not what he normally does, but I mean, I think it's perfect. And then, man, my third one. What would my third one be? I mean, I, I, I mean, so he, he's mainstream too, man. I'm just full of shit. I mean, I love John. <laughs> Mayer. I love John Mayer too. Like that'd probably be my other one. I mean, he's mean, he's great. Not. Yeah, I love them. Uh, um, I. Uh, I love uh, Busty and the Bass. If you ever heard of them, they're great. Um, Leon Bridges, when like he first he's started a, and stuff. He's a sweet man. boy. He's a he's Fort a Worth man. native, so I'm sure you have experience in the DFW I, area. Well, I I've always wanted to go see him in Fort Worth. Like that was that was my thing, and and I uh, I seen him in concert once in like Miami in a random spot, but I'd have loved to see him. Like because he used to do those pop up, yeah, concerts, like in a hotel. Yep. And it'd be uh, like the first 50 people, which is would have been amazing to see. So, yeah, I was super fortunate down here uh, for the locals here in Dallas to see uh, see him come on stage with Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats when they were doing a smaller oh. tour. Oh. And I mean, I've been to some pretty insane concerts and been a part of some pretty insane moments in stadiums and, and you know, whatnot. I've never heard a crowd get louder when they had the encore and Leon. I mean, this was like four or five years ago when he was like, just exploding on, on the, the scene. come up yeah yeah you would, you would there's a, another one this i don't know if you ever heard of the struts oh yeah absolutely they're like the next big thing coming up i think like they're yeah they're kind of one album away and and i'm surprised they haven't blown up but i saw them and and um yeah i mean i did the last big concert i saw which had three headliners was uh was the mega tour was weezer green day and um fallout boy yeah yeah was like high school all over again for me so <laughs> oh yeah that would kind of be another i you know i've seen weezer as many times as i could i could yeah count. and I, I think we should go on public and state that we need the old blink 182 back together yeah we need, we need tom back we know aliens are real now we all accept it like we, do. we we're, we're part of it come back please come back to blink 182 yeah i don't um, know why but that would be a great little reunion too Oh, dude, it would people like us would go absolutely bonkers. I mean, we're talking probably like AT&T and Dallas size arenas sold out oh, yeah. for that. I mean, if Swedish House Mafia can do it, then we all can, you know. That's true. That's <laughs> true. very true. It's a hell of a band. A little, little drop for Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so to kind of keep on that theme, uh, this is my last question I have for you. And I got to shout out my buddy Patrick on the podcast that I run because he kind of came up and ran with this question. So Hollywood calls you and your agent and they say, you know what? This Jason Demers guy, 
what a life, what a career. We got to make a movie about this. But you have the input to say who plays you in this biopic. Who's playing you and why? Uh, I've man, I get like weird. You know, always somebody be like, "Oh, you look like Adam Sandler," or, or <laughs> which I mean, can go either way. But I'm like, which Adam Sandler? Like, right? Which one? Like, just go with it at the starting, or like, <laughs> click or something. I don't know. So, and uh, all on occasion, like side angle, like somebody will say Paul Rudd, but I I love Paul Rudd as an actor. That would probably be the guy I would I would take. I, I find he similar personality to mine, and, and he's a little off the. Ageless wonder too. Yeah. Ageless. I know. Yeah, he's 85 now. You guys know <laughs> that. He's 85 years old. He looks great. Yeah. Everything he, everything he is, he's good. And, and and I'm a fan of his. So that would probably be Paul Rudd would be my guy. That's a good one. I was gonna go with Charlie Day. I get the Charlie Day. Oh, I got, when I have a yeah, when I have a full beard, I sometimes get Charlie Day. Yeah, I, I fan of his too. Yeah. So Shout you got out. you got a stellar lineup for uh for for the uh, the acting role. Yeah, you know, if I put my teeth in, some people say Bradley Cooper, but I mean, don't be modest. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. And they they're gonna say it. I'm gonna take it. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not making it up. So you know, it's that's it is what it is. Well, Jason, it's been great to have you on. If there's any, is there? I know you. Uh, I saw you recently uh, posted about uh, Butter Golf. Is there any other companies or uh, stuff well, you're working with? This is Butter Golf. So. Everyone, get out there! Uh, Jordan Schmaltz started it. He's uh, uh, he's played played in St. Louis, played around the league. He played in Tucson, and he started this butter golf. And his stuff is great. So he, yeah, the uh, logo is pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. I'm not getting paid for it, so I don't even know <laughs> I'm saying anything. And I told him today that I need to get some kickback. But no, I really should go out. He's started it himself, and it's uh, anytime you can support a guy and and you know, a hockey guy trying to do some business on the side and, and he's, uh, he loves it. And his, his gear is actually great. And like, he's got, you know, he's, he's selling like the head covers, which is great for the driver. And then he's got like uh, ball markers that are like phenomenal. Like they're like poker chips with like little funny sayings. And Oh yeah. Like one of the t-shirts with it's like flapjacks <laughs> and a, a golf ball on it. And it's just great. Cause and that's so to his character because he's got the funniest sayings. And I mean, anybody to go follow him on Instagram, he's probably one of the top guys to, for me to follow on Instagram. Uh, is hilarious. He does like a he does like a radio show every morning on his Instagram, and he's called ninety three point one the fella, and it's like <laughs> the funniest thing every time he does it. He does a morning song, and it's like off the cuff too. It's so good. I'll watch him and follow him and he's doing this. So this is kind of the, the company. And I could sit here all day and give you companies because, you know, I have a lot of friends that are entrepreneurs. <laughs> so, but I won't bore you with that. <laughs> well, speaking well, on the golf really quick. Well, I know like Arizona is a big uh, snowbird. Where, where do your like top courses, if you could name a few that you, that you love playing out here? I love fire rock. Um, that's a big one. I always like, um, and you know, obviously, Whisper Rock is is so iconic. Um, and then we play Camelback a lot, actually, which is it's just great to get around. There's two courses. It's uh, you know, you can go at four o'clock and play in two hours, which is that's all I care about is how fast I can get done. I'm not a four hour 
I am not a four hour golf guy. Like as quick as we can get this done and, mm-hmm. and get especially at this time of year out here. Oh, it's yeah, brutal. I mean it's brutal. <laughs> you can barely drink any beers. You can't no, you can't. You it wouldn't matter anyway. It'd be like drinking waters out here. It's yep. the same. It's right out of your system. Yeah, I'm, I signed the death certificate, played one round on Monday, already playing another round tomorrow. I'm a brilliant guy, just a real stud of an idiot. <laughs> I, yeah, and that Dallas, too. She ain't, she ain't dry. It's humid. It's where bad. Do you, where do you live in Dallas? Uh, just outside of the Lovefield area, so I'm not too, oh, too really? far from downtown. Uh, kind of close to where uh, a couple of the boys live. I like to say that I'm in the Highland Park area, but for damn sure not affording that Highland Park uh, lifestyle. That's where I lived right on the edge of Highland Park. I lived on uh, Inwood and Versailles, South Versailles. Yeah, I'm not far from that. I'm just down Northwest Highway in Lemon. Yeah, I was next to, exactly. I was right next to Love Field. That's funny. Yeah, I was was West Highland Park. Yeah, (laughs) everyone knows about West Highland Park. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Well, it's been great having you on, and a shout-out to our buddy, our mutual buddy, Corey Adams, for setting this up. Um, Corey, if you want to yeah. get, get a good uh, chicken sandwich, head at the Hot Chick in uh, Old Town Scottsdale. And, or uh, eat, up. Eat, eat Up makes yep. it better. On eat Up driving. Eat Up, Diego eat Pops, Montauk, you know, the whole the whole. Uh, they got it all. They got it all <laughs> over there, man. He's the man. So anybody in AZ, that's where you go. Uh, before we let you go, where can we uh, follow you on your socials and uh, – Keep track of your NHL uh, career here. I don't even what would my handle. I think Jason Emers fifty five maybe is my handle. I don't really. We can go off the cuff here. I can I'm go. Like I can good, go I'm like good on social media, but not like I just <laughs> I for like streams of consciousness, and I'm like I'm almost gonna. I get like three people liking it, so it's at this point there's no point in tweeting anything. You it's know, uh, on Twitter at Jason Demers five. Perfect. There you go. Yeah, I, I delete the tweet. If I don't get over like five <laughs> likes, I delete it. So I'm like, what? Yeah. I, look like, I look like my father on this thing. Just post some <laughs> random. Things. I love the guy too. I'm like, no one's listening to us. Like, we're good. We can just <laughs> call me if you want to tweet. So yeah, there you all- go. Well, I, I want to say thank you again too. Uh, obviously, I'm down here in Dallas. So followed your career quite a bit when you were here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, pretty surreal experience. And thank you so much for joining us. Hey, I appreciate it. We had a good team that year. I wish we they would have held it together a little bit more. And gave <laughs> yeah. us Makes two of us. Gave us. I wish you would have gave us another run at it. For hey, sure. who knows? They might call. They got two slots left because they haven't signed uh, Robertson or Ottinger yet. So they got two slots left on the roster. Hey, listen. I could fill in there easily. There you go. E. <laughs> well, thanks again, Jason, for coming on, and we'll uh, keep in touch. All right. Talk to you guys that, soon. Take it easy. All right.